the next thing to really think about is CapEx and maintenance request. One of the things that comes with owning a home over time is uh, capital expenditures. Right. So that's, you know, you need a new roof. You got to paint the house. You something, you know, the stove needs to be replaced, you know, something like that. So the dryers, not dry. dryers, not drying. Those are all things that come uh, by way of either, you know, something happens or you get a maintenance request. Mm -hmm. Hey guys, this is Aisha Shelton. And this is Kevin Shelton. Welcome back to the Marriage and Real Estate Podcast. Welcome back. So this week, we are talking about landlord leasing strategies that we use in our rental properties um, and that you can use in yours too. So of course, everybody has a different strategy mm -hmm. and you can do many different things when it comes to leasing a home. But for us, here are some of the things that we do uh, that make the process a little bit easier and some of the things that we think about while we're going through uh, either renting out a house or renewing a lease and things like that. Yep. So step one is you got to find a tenant. You got a place, yep. um, whether it's an inherited place or a renovated place that you may that you've done or like myself, it is a house that you own and you've got a better house and you're releasing out the other one, right? Yep. Um, so finding a tenant, how, what do we do to find our tenant, our first tenant? So a lot of times this can be the hardest part for people because, you know, your, your tenant criteria is everything. So I think that especially for beginning landlords or people who are maybe accidental landlords, uh, you definitely want to work with a realtor. I think that can help you a lot, mm -hmm. um, especially if you're not as familiar with, you know, vetting a tenant and things like that. But um, the first thing that you want to do is really set a criteria based on what you're comfortable with. So whether that's non-smoking because, you know, you don't want any smokers in your house or maybe you don't want pets or, you know, maybe you want somebody who um, has, you know, no car or something because you don't have parking. You just you just don't know um, what kind of applicants you'll get. So by setting that criteria, it really helps you refine down who would be a good fit for your property and who wouldn't. I think you make a good point too, because um, there's certain class of rentals, right? Yep. There's A, B, C, and D class rentals. All of them make money, right? Yep. And you need to determine what class of rental yours will be. Now, understand that you must know what class of rental it falls into, yep. right? Before you decide what tenant you want. But just like there are Section 8 landlords who yep. and Section 8 investors, that can certainly be a thing. You're guaranteed a check as long as the government stays open. Um, you're guaranteed a check. And so for some people, they like that investment model. For us, for example, we have a tenant avatar that is working, Young professionals. Working young professionals, small families, small families, individuals, no smoking kind of thing. So mm -hmm. I would say, first of all, you want to, you want to see what your avatar, what you want it to be. And also what fits into the area that you're in. Now, right? let me give a disclaimer because, you know, just being a part of real estate, and Aisha being a licensed professional, we want to say discrimination is illegal, it right? Is. So you want to make sure that you're not setting a criteria that discriminates from particular groups of people, uh, but you really want to base it on um, what the, not necessarily actions, but what the, what the, 
how do you say what like smoking and stuff is the the practices of the people who live there right so uh for france if you want a non-smoking house that's perfectly acceptable mm -hmm. so you're it's not necessarily discrimination because you're not saying you know non-smoking people need not apply but you are saying you prefer a tenant that is non-smoking right people with pets some people have pets and you can make a case-by-case -case determination based on that but you ultimately get to decide if you want a pet in your home that could potentially, you know, damage things or stuff like that. So when I was thinking about, you know, finding a tenant in this particular point that we were making, one of the things that um, we didn't use a realtor. So mm -hmm. we found the, our first time. So the first time we put a tenant we into our property. We actually didn't use a realtor. The second time you were the realtor. That is a realtor. <laughs> well, there we go. So we didn't use a realtor the first time. We just put it on a website called Cozy.co. Mm -hmm. At the time, I think they've been bought by Apartment.com right now. Yep. But we put it on Cozy.co, who put it on Zillow and like 20 different websites, several different, you know, apartment home finding websites. And that was how we marketed the property. And we found our first tenant. Um, there were also other advantages to using that particular platform they did automatic debit and deposit into our account so they debit from our tenants account and deposit it into our bank account we could also send they could also send um maintenance requests through they that had platform. they had the management platform on the back end it of was that the website. management on yeah. so that not only did they have the ability to share our our house on 20 different platforms mm -hmm. but also they had the management and that was free yeah. So one of the things that you want to look at once you set your criteria and you uh, put your property out there to market it. Right. The next step is vetting your tenant. Mm -hmm. So um, let's say, for instance, you've listed your property on all these different websites and now you're starting to get people in who are responding to that. Then you want to go through the steps of actually vetting each of the tenants. So that's going through the background checks and going through credit checks. Uh, employment verifications and a lot of that stuff can be automated like a cozy.co and some of those things are manual like calling people's employers and things like that yeah so when this is definitely going from the perspective of you know when we didn't use a realtor we had the book the bigger pockets guide to uh, managing rental properties. managing rental properties yes so that that weighed heavily on the decisions that we made and how we drew up our contract as well which and we so, highly recommend yes so when we were vetting our tenant we knew that we didn't want to have pets mm -hmm. we knew that we wanted which be, we ended up taking pets. We did. We we knew that we wanted it to be non-smoking. And a typical rule of thumb is their income must be three times the rent. Right. Mm -hmm. So whatever you set the rent to be, you want that person's income to be three times that amount. Um, what that shows is the propensity to pay the yep. rent outside of all of their other obligations, right? You have car notes, you have credit cards or whatever expenses that you have student loans. So if you make three times the rent, this should only be, I think the ratio is like your housing expense should be, should be like 20%. Is it 20? Max. I thought it was like 30. Well, it's max 20%. We want somebody to make three times the rent, but technical standards on what your housing should cost you is like 20% of your income. Got it. Um, but, you know, I think one of the benefits of that three times rule is, when everything goes, you know, to hell, for lack of a better word, 
one of the first things people stop paying is debt, you know, things like that. But living is kind of that last straw. So you want to have enough cushion in their income that, you know, whether it's two people or one person that if, if everything goes to hell, they're at least paying their rent. Um, and that kind of protects you as a landlord because you may have a mortgage or may not have a mortgage that you have to pay. So you don't want somebody in your house that is underwater from when they start, right? Like if, if your rent is 1500 and they make 1500, there's no way that that's going to work. Well, if your rent is 1500 and they make 3000, I mean, and in most renters mind, they think, well, I make 3000, I can afford 1500. However, it does, you're not accounting for all of the other expenses that Gas, you have. Gas, food, groceries, yeah. Right, like living expenses, right? And so three times is the general rule of thumb. It's a good rule of thumb to stick by. The same thing with credit score. Now, remember, if you are renting, depending on what class of home or or unit that you're renting, you have to keep that in mind too. For that class of rentals, what is a typical credit score, yep. right? Um, and I think for us, we said a 620 and above. Yeah, I think 620, 620 and above, which isn't extremely high, right? Um, but because we also understand that things happen. And so if you make three times the rent and you have at least a 620, you also get the opportunity with the apartment.com or cozy.co to see their credit report. And so you can see their um, payment history, mm -hmm. which helps you to determine like, oh, you've had some recent missed payments. Do I feel like they will be a good. And we've had that before. We've had tenants that lost their job, a missed a lease or, you know, maybe they're they moved jobs and their income decreased or they went through a hard time. I know that um, one of our first tenants. Right. I mean, it might have been two months after he signed his lease. He moved jobs and he lost income um, and then he got a promotion or something and his income went up. So it gives you a good history of what they do when things are good or bad. And it allows you the ability to have those conversations with your tenants in advance to know, hey, in the event of something, will you communicate? Will you let me know? And in this case, our tenant was really good in communicating. He let us know as soon as his income changed. He said, you know, just work with me for a while. I think he was late maybe twice and paid the late fees and everything. And then he was stellar the entire time. So, you know, it doesn't mean that just because somebody's credit score is low or somebody maybe have some missed payments in their history, it doesn't necessarily mean that they'll be a bad tenant. You just have to have those conversations. It's just information for you to process to help you make a decision. I also say trust your gut too, yeah. right? I remember getting an application and I don't know the the paycheck stubs because you also verify the paycheck, paycheck. stubs look real. Fishy I was they look real questionable. I was like, hold on, because see, I know people who operate and, like this. Yeah, and, <laughs> and then I think the company when we looked it up, it didn't exist or they owned it or something, but they created themselves paycheck stubs. Right, right. and it was like eighteen wheeler. <laughs> so be, I mean, be very cautious when vetting people's paperwork because people make up stuff all the time people make up check stubs or um will recreate documents and submit them as and i've seen that too as a real estate agent as well whenever i get applications i'm like this doesn't make any sense like, right this ain't three times around yeah i make forty seven thousand dollars or a month yeah or you know 
Googling the company that they work for and it's like Yeah, I think we had a house a boutique or something. We had a house that was for rent, fifteen hundred dollars a month, and we got an applicant that made like twenty two thousand dollars a month. And you have to ask yourself, why is a person who makes this much money trying to rent this house? That just doesn't make sense. But he turned out to be the tenant. I chose him. Yes. Is that the it is because and because he's building another house in on like an acre right now. He wanted to live close to his mother. That was for one of your clients. This is for one of my clients. Okay. Yes, he wanted to live close. I mean, it didn't make okay. sense at first, right? But he's building a house on like an acre, which takes time, you know, okay. over a year. He wanted to stay close to his mother because she lived in the neighborhood and he had a commission-based job and he was the number one salesperson in the uh, whole entire okay. country. Yeah. Okay. So then I'll take it. Number, I mean, do your research. That's all I got to okay. say. When and the reason tenant, we spend so much time on vetting a tenant is because that's probably out of all things, that's the most important step. The time you spend vetting your tenants will directly correlate to the time you spend either managing those tenants successfully or evicting those tenants because you've been unsuccessful. Which is no fun. Which you should know the laws in your particular market in your state uh, to know what the eviction, you know, processes, procedures is. The Bigger Pockets book can definitely help you with that. Uh, I think that one of the things that, uh, especially with COVID in mind, is very hard. We live in a very landlord-friendly state, thankfully. Texas, but yeah. a lot of other markets aren't, like California or New York, where you have a lot more stipulations. So I would be very leery uh, about, you know, just kind of boilerplate practices. You want to make sure that you're based on your particular market because that's what will regulate you. Yeah. So deposits, insurance, and income, right? Mm -hmm. So deposits, that first and last month rent, we're all familiar with that. Um, And check your state for laws as it relates to how those funds need to be managed, right? I know here in Texas, your um, deposit has to be in a separate bank account. Yep. Right. Um, so you cannot use that money. And when at the end of that lease it's used to return back to the tenant, less any expenses that come out. And you you upon uh, upon request have to provide them a statement on that money. Right. So if they say, hey, where's my money? Um, you can provide them like a statement showing it sitting in a bank account. But I also wanted to talk about deposits by way of pets. Right. Because that can also be a revenue source for you, right? So if you decide to take pets and we did take Mm -hmm. pets on our first lease, but we also got the tip that we can charge a pet rent. So there was a non-refundable pet deposit up front Mm -hmm. and then they paid a per pet rent for each pet, right? So that made it worth it to us to accept pets because originally we were not going to accept pets. But when we were like, okay, we can get $500 non-refundable and get, you uh, know. Extra $40 a month because they had pet, two dogs. It was $20 okay, a month per dog. Okay, $20 per month. It was $40 a month. So $40 a month per dog. So I was like, okay, well, we'll take it, right? Yeah. <laughs> and that ended up, I mean, it. they ended up, you know, there was no major damage. Their mm-hmm. pets were well-behaved. We did have stipulations. It was only certain sizes and certain yep. breeds, non-aggressive, you know, house trained, whatever. Um, what we ended up doing, though, is after those tenants, um, we swapped all the flooring out to tile to make it easier in the future if we did take another pet. 
Right. Um, which right, thankfully right, right. the tenant after them, completely clean, single person, amazing, like, took amazing care of the house. And then now the tenants we have in that house. We don't know. Yeah, we don't. Okay. <laughs> we, we don't know um, because we haven't done the things that we're going to ask so. you to do. Um, and so that's one income source. Also washer and dryer. I've seen that be a mm -hmm. source of income as well. We'll leave the washer and dryer for a monthly rate. And so, yeah, insurance. Mm -hmm. So your tenant should carry renter's insurance and they should also provide proof of renter's insurance to you. Which right? you can do that through some of the apps. I know that Cozy.co, which is now apartments.com, they actually can give your tenant access to buy renter's insurance through them and automatically give you proof, which is how we do it. Currently. I didn't know that. I, I remember getting reminders that they had not uploaded because you upload the tenant mm -hmm. is able to upload that documentation into that uh, software. And I remember getting reminders that it hadn't been done. And so you want to make sure that they have their renter's insurance, but also you have to have mm -hmm. insurance that, that Landlord insures the insurance. home. Landlord yeah. insurance that insures the home. So do your research and your numbers on that as well. No. So um, the next thing to really think about is CapEx and maintenance request. One of the things that comes with owning a home over time is uh, capital expenditures, yeah. right? So that's, you know, you need a new roof, you got to paint the house, you something, you know, the stove needs to be replaced, you know, something like that. So the dryer's not drying. Dryer's not drying. Those are all things that come uh, by way of either, you know, Something happens or you get a maintenance request. Mm -hmm. um, and I think for us, we've had a combination of lots of different things. So everything from the dryer not drying to replacing appliances to, you know, like even this year will we paint the house. Um, and it's based on the age of the home, the condition of the home. You know, we did a lot of upfront things on a lot of our properties because we renovated them. So everything from interior painting, replacing flooring, a lot of that was taken up in advance. But every time you have a turn, you need to do some version of that too. So, um, you know, one of the things to consider is what could be on its last leg. If you know your AC units on its last leg before you move somebody in it, you can bet, you know, nine times out of 10, you might get a maintenance request for AC not working, right? Uh, and you just need to be prepared to take care of those things as they come. So I'm not going to make up numbers, but there is a, a, a percentage that is recommended that you set aside for capital expenditures. It's five to 10%. Thank you. So five to five to 10%, because the one thing we know is that they're going to come up at yep. some point. And so you don't want to be surprised by this, you know, expense that you weren't necessarily looking for. Right. And so if you set aside that amount each month and put it in an account, when they come up, the blow is softer and or you have the funds available to do that. So please take into account that you do have to have, there are some systems that legally have to be working in order for someone to live there. And you wanna make sure that in, in the event that any of those things go down, that you're able to fix it immediately as like a landlord. Like smoke alarms or air conditioning, things Air conditioning, like water um, leaks. And see, five to 10% scales with the, the condition of the home. Right. So if you know you have an older home, you want to be on that 10 percent side. If you have a new construction home that you're renting out or if you have something that's a little bit more recent, you can get away with having a smaller percentage because, you know, the house is in better condition. Right. Um, so I think that that just goes with your comfortability. And if you have the funds to write those checks as they come up and you you're good with that, then that's discretionary based on you. Right. So 
Um, let's talk about kind of your, your managing your property. How often do you see it, right? Are you doing inspections on your property? So I think you made a good point before we started recording, you were talking about making quarterly inspections, mm -hmm. uh, which it depends on, you know, your proximity. I know some people live out of state and things like that. So it's either you or your property manager or, you know, maybe a trusted advisor, realtor, somebody to put eyes on that property uh, at least, you know, quarterly. So you could see, hey, what's the condition of my home? Is my home still there? Or sim or, or semi-annually, right? So, yeah. like, you just want to see what's happening on the inside of your home and you have the right to do that. And I think that, you know, we've had the last few tenants we've had, we've gotten kind of comfortable. Mm -hmm. And now I'm just afraid to even call and ask because I'm like, um, what's happening in this I house? was actually just there in February. Okay, perfect. So <laughs> there we go. I was, I was like, just there. Okay, in the inside, right? Yeah, because we had a maintenance request. Okay, <laughs> that's also a good it. reason, right? Also to service, and, and if you want a good reason to go into your tenant's place, like, oh, we are servicing the AC unit, so you're switching filters. That's a really good reason to go in um, to the unit, right? If you want to respect people's privacy, but also still put your eyes on it, you can call it maintenance. Um, the property inspection. Oh, that's what I wanted to say. You want to make sure I don't remember what I wanted to say. Sorry. Lost it. Okay. So basically when you're inspecting a property, you're looking for, um, if there's any violations of your lease, right? If there's any damage to the property, if there's anything that's uh, not being taken care of, like yard maintenance, things like that, smoking that they're responsible for smoking and a non-smoking. Yeah. Pet damage is always a big one, I think. Well, I remember. Okay, here we go, guys. I remember. Sorry, I had to interrupt you so that I don't forget it. So make friends with the neighbors, right? Oh, because yes. they will tell you everything that your tenants are doing. Um, yeah, you had like five cars out oh, there yeah, last yeah, night. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We had, I ran into, you ran into a neighbor yes. at the grocery store yes. uh, of uh, one of our rentals. And he said, and they had like five cars out yeah, there. Yeah, he the said, oh, day. they got a lot of people living in there. We're like, oh, you can only have, you know, the people yeah. on the lease that can live in this house. So, now you know, he was a little extra. <laughs> he was, but he, they did have more people living in the house than, than they were supposed to. That whatever. wasn't true. It was true. You don't know you don't live there. Okay. Okay. We don't want to argue like we're married on TV now, do we? Okay. Okay. So at any rate, the point is make friends with the neighbors because they will tell you what's going on with your house, what's going on at your house. I think they had people in here from out of town, if I oh, remember. Oh yeah, correct. that was the case. it was the it was the winter storm. It was something like that. And he was like, Oh, they got a bunch of people over there. And it was some temporary condition that they had people in town for a conference, aka conference or some some something like that. It was some kind of something. But people are there. Kevin right. always think he right and he muddles stuff up and make up stories and make it a thing. But we're not going to argue That's on the podcast. True. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so property inspections and then finally uh, lease renewal or move out. So every year, of course, your leases come up if you do 12 month leases. You should do 12 month leases. And, you know, that gives you the opportunity to either renew your lease or your tenants will be moving out. And then in that regard, you'd have to do. Uh, a kind of make ready. So with the lease renewal, that's the easiest for you, but there's a couple of things you want to consider that's rent raises. So that can be, you know, a three to 5% increase in your rent potentially. And you kind of negotiate that up front, or 
you can just do a straight line renewal based on what rent rate you currently have. Uh, we've done a little bit of both and it really just depends on the strength of the tenant. And if it's somebody you already know your price right at the top of the market or at market and you don't want to disturb a good thing, then, you know, that's up to you. But it is an opportunity for you to uh, either bring your property up to market value because market value does change or make additional revenue uh, and additional value by increasing your rent. And let's not negate the the value of a tenant who pays their that rent on true. time and has been with you for years. That's not to say that you shouldn't raise rents, but certainly consider that when you are raising rents. For sure. For sure. Um, and then two for lease, re lease renewal, making sure that I know in our contracts, it has a time period that they have to let us know that they'll be either like staying days. or leaving so that we can release it before the, they move out, right? So that we can lease it up before um, the next tenant so that we can have another tenant lined up. And that just really gives you time. We actually just went through this with um, one property where um, they let us know, hey, you know, we think we're going to be moving. And then they looked at the market and they were like, maybe we don't want to do that. Um, and honestly, it gives you an opportunity to have that conversation because it is a lot to make ready your property too, right? So, um, let's say your tenant moves out. Well, then you got to repaint or touch up or, you know, do what you need to do, recalk the tubs, do a deep clean. You know, there's a lot of things that come into making a property ready to rent and those have costs associated. So, you know, if it costs you five grand to make ready and you were only making $300 a month for the last year, well, you lost money that year. So you want to think about all those things um, because there's a cost to everything. And Absolutely. all these are things just to consider. So, and I mean, we are sharing things that we've experienced. We're open to questions that you might have. You can leave them in the comments of this video and we'll be happy to go back through and answer those questions. So. Awesome. No, I think this is a good kind of overview of, you know, being a landlord and what it looks like from the Shelton's perspective. And definitely, like Aisha said, leave us, drop us a note in the comments. Uh, look for more fun advice and tips and things like that and the way that we've learned to do it over the years. But yeah, this is the Manager Real Estate Podcast. This is Kevin. This is Aisha. We out.